Previously on See You in Another Life, Brothers. All right, well, I inspected your hatch and everything checks out. Looks like you and your wife are going to have a lovely life down here. Well, if I had a wife, I'm sure we would. Oh, sorry about that. I don't know why I keep assuming everyone's married. Uh, So it's just going to be you down here? Well, uh, yeah, me and the uh, bug-eyed guy have locked up in the armory. Right. Well, you two have fun. Hey, hey, what are these blast doors for? Oh, these beauties? Well, they come down and keep you in here if there's a food delivery. Why is that necessary? Hey, don't ask me, man. They designed this place back in the 70s. Everyone was high on the weed back then. Well, I would like to get rid of them. I'm worried they would uh, come down and crush my leg or something. Well... That'll cost you. A project like that could run you something like $23,000. I can't pay that. I just lost all my money in a poker game with my doctor. Well, I tell you what. I'll do it for 10 loads of laundry. And also one of your kidneys. You, sir, have yourself a deal. What's up? And welcome to See You in Another Life, Brothers. Was that good? That was... That was great, I think. Do that for every episode from now on. What's up? Like, you know, that that, that old school thing, right? Maybe not every episode. um, But, you know, just keep us on our toes. Throw it in there. Spice it up sometimes. It's casual. It's just cool, you know? I'm just... uh... I'm I'm one of the guys. I'm just hanging out and, you know, just uh, trying to be uh, personable and 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 uh, not not robotic like I usually am on this show. Where I'm like, welcome to see you in another life, brothers. No, I, I'm laid back. I'm casual. Laid back, casual, just like a laid back guy in the late aughts in a beer commercial. Was that what it was? Yes, that's what that's from. Yeah, from the commercial, and it's still it's still cool, and everyone still loves that, and it never gets old. So, you're welcome, everyone. But this is not a podcast about beer commercials from the 2000s. This is See You in the Life Brothers, a Lost Podcast. Got to say the full name of the show. Mm-hmm. And my name is Joe Betcher. I am a fan of Lost. I've been a fan of Lost since circa. You know, actually, since circa 2005, I think, mm-hmm. because we didn't start watching the show in 2004 when it first mm-hmm. aired. Our dear sweet mother did, but we did not. And she's the one who got us hooked on this. So, Mom, I know you're listening. Thank you so much. But um, yeah, so circa 2005, fan of Lost. And you, sir, I believe about the same, right? Yep. Yep. Andy Betcher here. Uh, Lost fan since circa 2005. I remember... Uh, sometimes you and mom and maybe dad, I, I can't remember at the very beginning, were watching Lost sometimes and I would kind of come in the room and watch and be like, ah, is this, is this, uh, something I'm interested in? And then, uh, I remember I was, I feel like I was just at the age where it was sometimes too scary and I would be like, uh, eh, I'm out of here. You know, like PG 13 type stuff would be like, 
you know, eh, maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. I think by the time season two came out, it was like, okay, I, yeah, this is totally fine. You know? <laughs> well, the fact that we were both able to make it through the end of season one and still come back for season. Well, I think we had to at that point because it's like that, the end of season one where, you know, Walt and he gets taken away oh, is one yeah. of the most terrifying things to watch if you're a kid. And oh, yeah. then you're like, well, you got to come back because you got to see if uh, they're going to resolve that. He's going to get <laughs> for a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hopefully everything works out for Walt. Mm-hmm. I've, I feel like just thinking back to that time at the beginning of watching Lost, I feel like even stuff like that, I don't know, like now I watch stuff like Walt getting kidnapped or, you know, stuff with Claire and the baby. I'm like, man, that is terrifying. And I feel like none of that phased me at all as a kid, oh, yeah. you know, as a young person watching Lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like that stuff was like, oh, yeah, that that happens in movies that whatever. But I remember like Ethan showing up on screen. I was like, I'm out of here. That guy's nuts, you know, like yeah. or like the monster showing up or something, you know, stuff like that. I was like, I am out of here, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, weirdly, I don't remember really being frightened or anything by those like the things that are actually terrifying about it like a child getting kidnapped and then them exploding a boat you know yeah but i was just like oh this is tv that happens all the time you know <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's one of the magical things about rewatching the show is that you you find out you know you're at a different point in your life when you watch it and, and certain things affect you more than other things for sure and you're like mm-hmm. i like I mean, I didn't really connect at all with the first, you know, watching this when it was when it first aired. And I think we talked about this when we talked about the episode, but Michael and like special and um, adrift those episodes where they're talking about him and his son, just the whole the struggle there. And you're like, it hits me now. I'm like, oh, wow, you understand the, the gravity of that and everything before when you're watching it as a kid, you're just like, oh, okay, so he lost his son. But that's that's such a very um, emotional and impactful sort of thing, and I, I identify a lot more with Michael now for some reason. I don't have kids, but you know, it's one of those where it's just it hits you more because yeah. you understand it. So yeah, and I feel like you know, I mean, just like pivoting towards this episode, yeah, with Locke. You know, I feel like I thought of stuff like, oh, no, th- that's crazy that that happened to Locke in the flashbacks. You know, with each episode. And I feel like now, you know, I've always thought of Locke as like this tragic character. You know, he, his story is a tragedy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, And I feel like now I see more and more, you know, what hits me with his flashback episodes are, gosh, this, you know, this makes sense of who we see him as when he gets like new life breathed into him in the island when he can walk again um you know like just the depression that he gets to off the island you know we're we're seeing the things that formed him into a person who was very broken um Mm -hmm. and this episode is is a really interesting aspect of that trajectory for his character for sure yeah it's funny because this time through you know Locke. Locke Locke can have different, you you can feel differently about Locke different times you watch the show. And uh, yeah, 
you know, going through it probably the first time and the first few times. Locke's, Locke was always one of my favorite characters. He's always mm-hmm. I'm like, I like him because it's like, this is the guy who, you know, is he, 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 he gets something's going on here. And he's actually the one who's, you know, trying to, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's, he senses there's more meaning to this than other characters who are just kind of distracted by these things. But, you know, this time through, um, I think it's because I'm just, you know, watching so closely and reading it. You just, you, you're frustrated by him mm-hmm. and frustrated by his de- the decisions and the fact that he's actually the one who's, in this episode, we actually see he's the one who's more lost than Jack. I, th- yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting things about this episode because it's, it is a lock and a Jack episode really at the core of it. These two characters are the central figures and one of them is locked down and the other one is actually you know doing something that actually it, he, he is actually overcoming sort of being locked down so mm. that's what i kind of like the, the episode is very aptly titled obviously because lock is down but also there's locked down and also you know metaphorically they're they're locked down i so. Yeah. Any any episode title with a pun or wordplay in it, I'm already on board, you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then like I love the way you put that the the different lockdowns we see happening uh, or being overcome uh, is an interesting aspect of it. So mm-hmm. so let's talk about the so yeah, I feel like there's three as usual. There's basically three parts of this episode, and each part of it is exploring a different aspect of being locked down. And I think the first part is these flashbacks. These uh, hey, you ready to talk about some heart heart wrenching lock flashbacks? As usual, let's do it. <laughs> this isn't going to be uplifting. Never is with a lock episode. Um, so it starts out in like probably the most optimistic place Locke has ever Locke perhaps has ever been in his life right I that's exactly almost exactly what I wrote down you know we take notes for this I I said like this what I wrote down was the start of this episode feels like the best place we've seen Locke maybe ever you know Mm -hmm. um because like music is playing he's cheerful yeah he's making jokes with a woman he loves and he's secretly planning you know he's got a picnic ready but he's secretly planning to propose to her it's like that's i mean that's Locke at the best we've ever seen him you know i mean mm-hmm. maybe you know I, i'm trying to think of any other instances where he's just like cheerful that way you know and just light but um perhaps yeah. some of uh season one um mm-hmm. we see Locke. you know at the beginning of season one he is this again um but yeah he this is probably this is even more than that obviously because yeah as you say he's a he's just a fella who's gonna take his girl out (laughs) for a picnic dinner and he's got up the ring and so it's just like the way i put it Locke is being proactive Locke is actually doing stuff doing something it's he's not um being acted on by external forces this is him taking action mm-hmm. um and uh he's ready to do it he's gonna do it and this moment when helen you know reveals that his father 
has died in the obituaries. It's sort of fascinating. I want to talk about the line where she says before that, where she says, no one ever says anything mean about people once they're dead. It could be a throwaway line. It's just like, oh, she's going to look at the obituaries now. But I like that line because it's sort of like setting the stage for Locke thought he was over his father. Mm-hmm. He thought, you know, I, this guy is dead to me because as we saw in orientation, he took her hand and he, he chose her instead of him. So, mm-hmm. and it's literally, this is literally the only way that uh, it could, you know, Locke could start feeling something for his father again, right? To find out that he's dead because no one can ever say anything mean about someone who's dead. That's a really interesting way to think of it yeah i mean like Mm -hmm. that that's the way for him yeah i think a lot of this flashback um the flashbacks in this episode are about Locke being whether he can move on or not you know whether he can let go (laughs) a very jack type of theme you know but yeah um whether he can let go or not uh in a healthy way and yeah that's a really interesting way to think of it like that that's because of what she said um that's the only way for him to be positive about his father maybe yeah that's a Mm -hmm. that's kind of an interesting framing of of the situation Mm -hmm. and i also like to think about the fact that you know he thinks of it as okay maybe this is a divine intervention like it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity from you know the universe sort of giving him an opportunity to maybe finally make peace with his father because he, obviously he goes to the funeral and says, I forgive you. But it's the machinations of a con man, because this is the only way, this is a double, like you think about Anthony Cooper, the master con man here. This is the only way he could get past those guys by killing himself mm-hmm. off, because then they they think he's dead. Although they're not buying that, obviously, but still really more so i think it's more he's like he understands okay how can i get john back in my good graces what if i killed myself off and then show up and now suddenly hand of god once again kind of here i am so it's it's fun to think about it that way it's it's horrible but it's like yeah 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 it adds to that tragic element of uh you know like you said like even as Locke is doing something proactive, there are forces outside of him that seem to be, you know, plotting his demise almost, you know, or plotting to use him in some way, yeah. um, which is a, a recurring, you know, motif for his character throughout the series, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Locke finds out his father's dead. And so what does he do? He has a choice. He can go to the picnic or he can go to the funeral. And we see clearly he went to the, he, like, like Helen says, sure you want to do this. We could still go to that picnic. And he says, we will, I promise. But, um, and it proves. And, you know, Anthony clearly waiting out there in that car. He's like looking to see like, okay, hook, line, and sinker, basically. That's what, that's the only reason he's there, just to see that, okay, I've got, I've got Locke on the hook. Um, 
And uh, yeah, there's this scene before they go in about, we, we just see what, what good medicine Helen is for Locke too. Mm-hmm. Just want to point that out again and again. Like maybe he, he left you his kidney kind of bringing humor out of this because Locke is obviously, you just need to laugh and you need to let go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a nice moment, but as much good medicine as she is, he's just not taken enough of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the way they write Helen's character. And the way the yeah. actress, I don't have her name, you know, plays it. Like, it's just a very, if if there was someone who was a right fit for Locke, you know, it it feels right. You know, yes. every scene that she is with him is like, you know, someone who can, who can make him laugh, but can also, as we've seen, like, in the previous episode with her and everything, you know, she could also, you know, kind of get him to where he needs to be in different circumstances to let go. Um, And she brings the right sort of lightness to this moment going into the funeral. Um, And it, and is the person who's there by him when he, you know, is able to say like, you know, it seems like because of her in his life and because he's in such like a healthy, good place with her, it seems like all of that leads to him being able to say, you know, at the funeral, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, because even that, you know, like on top of everything we've seen, you know, saying like, oh, he's at such a good place in his life. He's at a place where he can freely say, I forgive you, you know, after just finding out his father died. And it makes sense. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like he's just saying empty words. It seems like Locke is at a good place. And he is actually able to say, I forgive you, even though you've done such a terrible thing, you know? Yeah. Which makes the fact that his father is not dead that much more just awful. <laughs> you know, he he's able to do it. And then his father is still just in a car watching him, you know, mm-hmm. from across the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can look at this at that moment two ways. Like you're saying, it's good. And I, I, you know, I, I prefer to look at it that way. Like, like it's what Helen was saying, basically. Yeah. We were moving past this when she smacks Anthony at the end. We were, and he is moving past. He's like, I forgive you. I let go. Or you can look at it as, hey, that's okay, pops. You know, if you were here right now, I would, uh, you know, want to pull another, <laughs> do something more with you. Basically, like, it's mm-hmm. almost like you could see it as, forgiving in the sense that like i haven't let go of you so Mm. i i you know no it's okay what you did to me and maybe i'd let you do it again even just to be with you basically yeah so you could look at it that way too um it's a little ambiguous and i think it's on purpose you're like but that moment in the funeral scene the only other moment um there's this just uncomfortable, you know, Locke looking around at the guys in the car, obviously, and they're doing that to kind of think, okay, what's going on here? But as he's doing that, this the priest talking, you know, he's giving the mm-hmm. kind of the, the eulogy sort of right here. And I I was like, okay, there's gotta they got it, they had to do something here that had to do with this. This I don't think they'd, you know, they'd have the priest just saying some Bible verses or whatever. Oh, sure. And the thing that got me. Uh, as I was listening to it and 
I think this was a little on purpose. It's like, we commit the soul of Anthony Cooper to you for we shall never be separated. Um, Mm. The line, we shall never be separated is almost like John's never going to be separated from Anthony. He's always going to be pulled back into this, Um, which is a little insidious. It's it's supposed to be this uplifting thing. Uh, So I kind of got that from that, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool because it's like, it, it doesn't, it's also not really a forced thing because of the scripture he's reading yeah. beforehand, you know, like, so we will be with the, we should always be with the Lord, you know, that's mm-hmm. that sort of passage and everything. So uh, he says, even like they, they go to be united with Christ, you know, as yeah. we go toward him and stuff. So it's like, it's the type of thing he would be saying, but then mm-hmm. it also kind of has a um, kind of twisted other meaning uh, in the context of this story of of uh Locke and his father and yeah mm-hmm. their intertwined stories mm-hmm. well and i think it directly relates to uh at the you know jumping to the end of the episode where Locke on the island is saying to henry you came back you came back that's what he's so hooked on it's like you came don't abandon me he just Locke doesn't want to be abandoned and that's a huge theme with them and it's like as long as someone comes back for him he's you know Locke is very susceptible to that um so even if the person coming back henry is like questionable as to he just wants someone um but he has someone right beside him is the thing that just frustrates the crap out of you it's like he has (laughs) helen he doesn't need anyone else but anyway um moving on to the next scene uh where Locke inspects a home of a certain someone who looks kind of familiar i think Hmm. we we might i don't know i think i know her from somewhere but i'm not sure uh can't put my finger on it oh she's on lost she's uh, yeah that's why hmm (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I knew her in a different life. Maybe not this life, but mm. the, another one. Hmm. Hmm. Little, little uh, solitary reference there. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Locke inspects Nadia's new home and reminds her that she's not married. <laughs> Why you gotta be that way, Locke? That is kind of one of those little boneheaded moments in my yeah. mind where he's like, well, you and your husband should enjoy this home. Actually, I'm not married. Like, wait, wh- how did he assume that? You know, you should have, you should have <laughs> tried to hand her the pencil as a piece. I'm off. so sorry. <laughs> Please take, take this pencil. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, pencil is a peace offering. Never gets old. Never. But yeah, so then we, if you, if you saw a weird gray sedan just sitting there that looked like the car from your uh, father's funeral, would you go over there and just uh, see what was going on? Or would you just get in your truck and get the heck out of there? I would, I would just get out of there. It is, it is one of those moments like, okay, I understand the plot needs to move forward. He needs to approach the car. And it is a really cool reveal for the person to like roll down the window as he approaches it yeah but yeah it is like if you were in his shoes would you just walk up to that car with the tinted windows mm-hmm. i think it speaks to Locke's curiosity and just like i think he felt it like now this doesn't feel it 
my father's still alive. I think mm-hmm. he kind of half knew what he would find when he came to that car. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So the scene in the bar with Anthony, um, what I like about this scene um, is the line, you could have asked me. You could have just asked me. Yeah. And the look on Anthony's face kind of like, almost like he's a little surprised. Because I think it speaks to a, a, um, sort of a distinct difference or like a, like a language barrier between the two of them, between two types of characters. We got one who's more about a, a believer who's about connection and Locke. And then we got the manipulator over here and Anthony. And Locke is just like, why Why didn't you just ask me? Why didn't you just seek the... Con- it, we were connected, right? But Anthony can only speak the language of getting what you want by manipulating the other person. So that's, that's mm-hmm. all he knows how to operate in. So they just, they're not speaking the same language here. Mm-hmm. I like that, that, that reveals that right there. And it's interesting that that is like, like Locke has the chance now to talk to his father who he, you know, just hours ago thought was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, And the question he like that bursts out of him or you know the accusation that bursts out of him is like you could have just asked me Mm -hmm. not you know you tricked me and you abandoned me you know or like you're a monster or any of that stuff um instead he's he's harping on the fact that like he would have done it if he had just asked like he would have but he was tricked and he was manipulated whereas you know, it's just interesting when you think of like the fact that his his father not only tricked him, but he then just abandoned him from mm-hmm. then on. You know, yeah. um, and Locke is just hung up on the the aspect of you you tricked me. You could have asked me. We could have had a better relationship. When it's like, man, this guy's a monster. Why do you even want a relationship with him? You know, this, this guy who would do something that terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Locke is still looking for, you know, some sort of reconciliation with his father, despite, you know, who he has revealed himself to be. Mm-hmm. He just can't let go of that. Yeah. And it's also revealing how Anthony, it, this, this, what this is, I mean, it's obviously... He wants to get his money. I mean, Mm -hmm. clearly. But he's also sort of seeking reconciliation with him by saying, I want to give you part of it. And that's how he thinks that it's like, okay, how can I make it up to my son? I'll just give him some money. And that's how he thinks it's going to make it all better. Uh, So once again, speaking a different language, like obviously it's almost the the difference between kind of a materialist versus a you know a spiritual perspective of the world it's like anthony is just about the stuff mm-hmm. kind of like another con man we know who we'll talk about in a little while <laughs> all he wants is the stuff and Locke wants something more um and so it's like 
I'll give you some money if I, it's like Ron Burgundy. If I give you some money on my wallet, would it make you <laughs> would it make it better? Would it make all of this okay? <laughs> and Locke's over here like, hey, you poop, you got your poop in your mouth, poop mouth. <laughs> uh, we should do an Anchorman podcast. <laughs> Just go straight from Lost to Anchorman. Perfect. It's a natural progression, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it is interesting that he would say, you know, that it could just make it better. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting situation. Like he, you know, when you think about what Anthony could have done, I'm sure that he could have just gotten some other person, you know, to mm-hmm. do this like another contact or even just like he he's a con man he could have figured out a way to manipulate someone into getting the money for him sure. but he did cho- choose to like have Locke do it so that he could give him some money in some way as if that would ever make up for what he's done mm-hmm. um yeah there is an aspect of it where it's like he's in his own <laughs> kind of sick way he's he thinks he's making up for it um which obviously it does not end well for Locke, but yeah Mm -hmm. i i almost like didn't even notice that at all about this episode that he genuinely does have kind of a a grain of a good purpose (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. in in talking to Locke here so or does he i mean at the end he says john if i don't see you again i'll understand is that a bunch of bull crap? Because he knows John's mm-hmm. going to be there at the end. Yeah. Although he does look a little excited to see him when he shows up. Mm-hmm. You wonder how much of this is just him acting, knowing that he he's making John mm-hmm. think it's his idea versus, you know, so you can, you can't really trust the guy, which is, that's the point of the whole thing. It's like, why put mm-hmm. your trust in a guy you can't really trust? Yeah. Yeah. It does leave us with room for interpretation. Yeah. Like what is, what is Anthony thinking about everything throughout this episode? Is he is he genuine here or is he not? Mm-hmm. I like how matter of factly the episode just. I mean, we go through, we come back to the island stuff, and then the next flashback is just matter of factly. Oh, and Locke goes and gets the money. Yeah, it's like it's just. Oh, yeah. Of course he gets the money. It's like there's not even a choice, right? There's not a scene with him just kind of sitting there looking at the key, sort of going back and forth, having a moment of like self-doubt it's just like gonna get the money because now i'm not acting proactively i'm I'm just reacting and just saying okay well this is the way i get back into maybe we get back into my father's good graces maybe just i don't know Mm -hmm. well and it it's interesting because i i love how you know speaking of ambiguity i feel like Locke in the flashback we're kind of left to conclude like why he would do this and why he, you know, cause he doesn't, he doesn't outright say it, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the episode later on, he says, you know, that's not why I did it, you know, yeah. the money, mm-hmm. but why, why exactly does he do this? And I think that's a really interesting to, thing to consider because he, you know, in this scene, he gets the money and then he's, cheerful lock again when he gets home mm-hmm. you know and um is 
maybe even a little bit peppier than he was before, you know, and that's just kind of an interesting aspect of it. You know, put on your Sunday best, you know, we're going out and all that. And, um, and then lo and behold, there's a couple creepy guys in his kitchen. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's almost like he's, yeah, he, 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 yeah. The question of course is that's not why he did it. Why does he do it? Mm -hmm. Um, and like there's a certain element of it like you're saying he's peppy a lot he's more peppy now he's more alive so he he he's just like i'm not whole unless i have my father and uh this is his way of okay i'm doing something for my dad in just the most perverse way that's what you know now i'm alive again um Mm -hmm. say that so it's a it's a yeah kind of a fascinating thing to consider why does Locke do it here mm-hmm. but let's talk about the scene with these uh these questionable characters these gentlemen who just uh why does Helen let him in I mean <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I mean I guess being hospitable and everything and but and maybe, well, I guess they tell her their story about his father ripping them off. And now she's kind of maybe a little bit sympathetic to their cause because she knows the type of guy his father is. So maybe that makes sense mm-hmm. why they let him let, let those guys. Yeah. In. Well, and there is also just the aspect of like, she's alone. They're yeah. these two big guys, you know, yeah. who who knows what they said, you know, or even just like started stepping past her or something you know like they're yeah. they're shady guys you don't know what they were poor Helen. you know yeah that's it's... we don't get the scene before this scene but that couldn't have been nice for her at all she's mm-hmm. definitely shaken when he shows up but yeah mm-hmm. so these guys come in yeah the, the, this whole question about did you see your father have you seen your father and uh, Helen just going to bat for John, basically, here. The, once again, the good medicine, sort of like, how dare you? This, mm-hmm. just the, the reminder, sort of, this this should be to Locke, like, this is how much she loves you, that she's pointing out, you know, she she's she's not jumping around this, she, she, uh, that these guys, uh, that your dad did all this to you. Um and so obviously you're not broken up about him. You're not, you're not good. You should not be attached to him like you are. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's, it's another example of like, Helen is a good person for Locke. You know, un- unfortunately Locke is, <laughs> is making a bad choice in this scene in particular, he makes a bad choice. Um, But she is, yeah, she's, saying all the stuff and showing how she wants to protect him from any further you know uh harm that could come from his father's presence in his life even his now his absence and his death um but she's she's saying like that he wasn't good for him let's put this to bed you know like get out of here um nothing more from uh from him can harm us and everything and once they leave, the thing, you know, that I was alluding to with Locke making a mistake, I feel mm-hmm. like this is the part where it just really, you know, 
him going and getting the money, whatever. Yeah. You know, that that could go either way in my mind. But the fact that he lies to her. Yes. Um and doesn't tell her what's going on. That's the part where it falls apart. Um and that's the the thing that upsets her the most that we see later, you know. Um this is the biggest boneheaded moment for Locke here, <laughs> you know, yes. saying, uh, "Oh no, I was I was just scared, you know." Mm-hmm. Um it's just like, man, just tell her what's going on, you know, own it. Um but he thinks that he can keep it a secret somehow. I don't I don't know, but um mm-hmm. that's the part to me where where things really fall apart for him. Mhm. Well, he's he's what he's doing is he's sacrificing his relationship with Helen for his relationship with his father. Basically, like yeah. he, this this thing that's giving him life, he's sacrificing it so that he can latch on to this thing who only wants to destroy him. Basically, yeah. Um, I also want to just just think about you know, like I said before, Locke is not being proactive here. Um, he's he's doing what his father is basically telling him to do. Just imagine the pro what pro how what the proactive Locke could have done here. Basically, mm. he's got these guys in his kitchen. He could say, "Yeah, I got the. I, I was actually talking to him. I got the money. Here's your money." And then they oh, leave. That's true. And then what he could have done is he could have taken a duffel bag, filled it with newspaper, gone to the motel, called the cops, and voila, your father is locked away for a while. Um, basically, mm-hmm. the ultimate sting operation. Just, uh, it's just been so satisfying. Mm-hmm. But no. <clears throat> yep. Man, that would have been wild. Yeah, <laughs> if he had done it, something it like been, that. Could you it would imagine? <laughs> a great like final act to a like an uplifting movie. Like if Locke's lock, if we could just Locke was just a movie. Um, and that it had a happy ending. That's what it would have been. But no. So instead, we get this final flashback, which is uh, about as devastating as it can be. Um, just this first part where he goes to the hotel room and he's almost, he, he brings up the fact, you know, Anthony's collecting the money. Brings up the mm-hmm. fact that he's going to marry Helen almost the way I, I watch this. And like, it's almost as if he's like trying to almost like get his father's blessing on the whole thing. Um, because it's just, it's like, he really wants this to just be a normal father son relationship. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to force that on it. Um, and then of course the, the big scene that you mentioned where it's like, well, I didn't do this for the money. Mm-hmm. What did you do it for? And once again, I see this as the, like the disconnect of communication, sort of like, it's very transactional for Anthony, very like material. And Locke is like, I did this for the same reason I gave you my kidney. Basically, it's like, because there's a, there's a higher ideal for fathers and sons, and I believe in it, Mm -hmm. but but you don't. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a wild scene where Locke, yeah, it's it's like he's trying to, it's like he's trying to ignore all the baggage and just be like, like, hey, 
pop aren't you proud of me i'm about to you know propose to the woman i love you know today and it's just like this is not a normal relationship you know you can't pretend that it is Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah when when anthony is just like why did you do this that like pause i i love it because it leaves us with you know like what what was Locke thinking Mm-hmm. You know, and ultimately, I think that the conclusion that seems to make the most sense to me and kind of, you know, we've been talking about it throughout is the way Helen explains it, you know, that you need that Locke thought he needed his father's love more than he needed Helen's love, mm-hmm. Um, that he would do this, you know, that he would choose his father still over helen and it's it's not even an instance of just he couldn't let his father go you know as as basic as as that idea is as complicated as that basic idea is but it's that he already let him go Mm -hmm. and then you know he could have done you know the right thing or the healthy thing and put up barriers once he found out that his father was still alive but he just allowed himself to get roped back in um and that he put that relationship above his relationship with Helen enough mm-hmm. to not tell her what was going on um yeah that's i i just love that they don't like he doesn't say in some you know way to Anthony like i did it to get your approval or i did it cuz mm-hmm. i care or anything I love that they leave it hanging because that just shows the disconnect of like like you were saying that even though he did this to to earn some favor or because of the way he wants a relationship with Anthony um that's not going to happen mm-hmm. he's confused by what Locke has done <laughs> you mm-hmm. know enough to just let it hang in the air so mhm yeah he, he can't I think there's a you know, why did you do this? I don't think Locke can give words to it. Um, yeah. Ultimately, it's sort it's similar to in Deus Ex Machina, where he's just standing outside the, staring at the at the gate, sort of like. He's just he's the, what 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 why, there's no why. It's just the sort of, it's almost the sort of just like hopeless. Sigh that you know you really can't interpret but you need someone to actually have mercy on him basically and that's what helen is doing and uh and and her and her final acts here in the in the, in the show really until i mean this is the final moments we get with helen i mean yeah. until sort of the sideways in, in season six but oh, basically yeah. like you know the slap in the in the face of Anthony and the just the you know defiant sort of like her final act is basically to just um be sort of the objective truth of it all just try to smack some sense into Locke and to give him that cold hard truth that he needs but he really can't fully understand um it's sad that, you know, it's like, this is his constant sort of just like saying, I can't, um, 
be your constant. Um, mm -hmm. Harsh. Yep. Yeah. And just the, oh man, the moment where he, you know, is, is trying to make up for it and everything. And then he, he gets down on one knee, <laughs> you know, oh, John, it's like, that is just truly the most, uh, like heartbreaking end to this episode. The, the idea that, you know, like when you think of the bookends of this flashback, the beginning where he's, you know, so happy, like the best we've seen him, mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, where he's got that ring and he's excited and he's got plans to ask her to marry him. And now he, he's asking her to marry him, but in a desperate attempt to keep her from running away because of what he's done. Mm -hmm. um, oh, gosh, it's just, yeah, just tragedy, you know? Mm -hmm. It's poetic. It's He opened the box at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. He closes the box at the end. And uh, it's just very symbolic. Yeah, um, that's true. It's a guy who's in lockdown. <gasps> the episode. Yeah, and the fact that the, just the sim symbolism too of both both Anthony and Helen driving off and leaving him alone, sort of like mm -hmm. the thing. And now he's got nothing. It's like he, he tried; he had something lifting him up, and then he also had this guy tearing him down. And now he's got he's just left sort of in a limbo, and still kind of obviously we see later in the series he's still attached to what's tearing him down. Um, yeah, but. Oh, John, what are we going to do with you? Poor guy. Poor, poor guy. Well, you know, there's still uh, more of the episode. Maybe the uh, stuff on the island will be better for John. We'll find oh, out. I hope nothing horrible happens to his legs. Oh, his legs. <laughs> Not again. Not the legs. My leg. <laughs> it's the SpongeBob guy. Yeah. That's that's John Locke in a nutshell. Okay, like this. My leg. My leg. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about more about John and his legs in a moment, but I think it's about time for us to take a break. So why don't we do that? And we'll be right back with more Seaman and the Life Brothers after this. What's up? And welcome back to Seaman and the Life Brothers. I don't know. I can't keep that up. I can't. I'm sorry. It's just, it doesn't feel like me. It's not me. You know, are you not truly a laid back guy in the early aughts in a beer commercial? No, I am so uptight. I am. I'm about as uptight as John Locke in this episode. Just I am. I just can't relax when I do these things. I'm just so on edge. I'm I, sorry. I love how this like on the island, this episode begins with Locke in almost like a state of Zen where you know like they're they're he's sitting there with Henry Gale and Jack and Henry Gale has just said one of the most you know terrifying things ever yeah um and Jack is just like draw me a map you know like i got to get out of here and Locke is like what's done is done yeah you know and and i love how that's that's where he begins and it's almost like the lock we've known from the beginning you know like he like you were saying uh earlier that Locke is kind of this character who seems like he's in touch with the island and stuff going on and right at the beginning he's just kind of like you know wh whatever they've already left what's done is done and 
you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So Jack storms off and Henry just says one thing. <laughs> why, why do you let him talk to you like that? And just boom, he explodes, <laughs> you know, like that's mm-hmm. all it took for Locke to just lose it, you know? And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk for a second, just as an aside about how in this episode and, and others, but in this one in particular, how they, they shoot Henry or they shoot Ben Linus, just him sitting there. Yeah. That scene in particular is just, I love that moment because it almost feels like a Wes Anderson. Yeah. Film, right. Where it's, it's, they have the shot on him and it almost feels like, I don't, do they pan over to lock from that, that wide shot? I don't feel like they do Mm-mm. because I think, but they should have because it's just on him. And then his, the way it's it just Michael Emerson, the way his eyes, like he's just sitting there and then they just dart to lock yeah like he just looks over at him with like that little you know like sheepish sort of look and then he goes why don't i talk to him like that and you're just like oh my gosh this guy is just i, I, I love and, and they're and they do it slowly throughout the series too or you know we get to know we, first episode you're like okay this guy maybe he does maybe he is henry gale from minnesota yeah but, I think at this point we're like, okay, he seems too malicious to just be just this unassuming guy who accidentally landed on this island. Because mm-hmm. um, you got that moment, they're shooting him in the dark a lot. They shoot him like later when they shoot him going up into the vent. That mm-hmm. that moment when he like puts his head up there. Oh it's yeah, almost, it's almost shot like it, they got the shadows on him, and he looks like this little rat going up into the hole, and he's just like. I love how they shoot him in this. It's subtle. It's like, but they, they do a great job of making him just like a, a weasel sort of mm-hmm. throughout that. And there is, there is a, this is where, you know, I think we, when we talked about doing a lost podcast, like in the very first episode of this podcast, I remember saying things along the lines of like lost is just fun storytelling like yeah. the way they tell stories and the way they choose to re- give you certain details at certain times. This mm-hmm. is one of my favorite storylines as far as, you know, stuff like that, where they, they give you just enough information to um, affect you in a certain way now. And then at the end of the episode, they give you more and it's that much crazier. Yeah. But like, at the end of last episode, we're left with a cliffhanger of like, what kind of guy is this mm-hmm. who would say something like that? And like, what are, what's about to happen to Saeed and Anna Lucia and Charlie. And now this episode begins with, you know, this whole scene, but then them finding the parachute, mm-hmm. um, er, not the parachute, the balloon the balloon. Yeah. And, and the grave, And so we're pretty much left to be like, okay, so he's telling the truth, right? You know, from the beginning of the episode, which is such a perfect way to frame everything we're seeing here. Because you're like, okay, this guy is super annoying, but -hmm. he's just annoying because he's been put in this terrible circumstance, right? Because we know that he's telling the truth now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that just... By the end of the episode, of course, like that makes the reveal so much more affecting. But 
um yeah i just i love the drama the dramatic turns of this episode because we've seen that his story seemingly holds up you know mm-hmm. um and that frames everything we're seeing throughout his interactions with Locke and whatnot so yeah it's brilliant the tension they build Ugh. where it's like okay he's innocent but he seems so guilty in a way right? yeah we're still uneasy about this guy like yeah i mm. love all the way they shot there are so many great shots of him in this episode definitely mm-hmm. yeah but yeah so the start of this um with jack just basically like the the interaction between them where he says it's too late and Locke says it's too late jack they're long gone anyway and then jack going so it's done is done and Locke saying that's right and then jack just going put him in the armory i'm done with you the way i read it's like i'm a disappointed parent john put him in the armory almost like Locke. i'm fed up with you you are just not we can't work together basically is what this is and uh then henry saying why why do you let him talk to you like that Locke's just feeling like uh, i he he thought that this hatch might be a good opportunity like we saw in orientation for him and jack to sort of maybe finally work together find common ground it's not working and so I love how he, when he throws Henry into the hatch, closes the door, and he just mm-hmm. stands there kind of like this. And then they cut to thunder. And it's almost like it, it, it's it, Locke is trapped inside a stormy haunted house, basically. Oh, now. yeah. I like that, just that transition when we find, when they go, they cut to Saeed and them. But, uh, this is his long dark night for the soul. Basically, it's mm-hmm. sort of a it's Locke's bottle episode. Even though he's got he's got Henry with him, but yeah, he's just trapped down there. Mm-hmm. And so, what does Locke do when he needs to think? He starts moving his legs. <laughs> and as we talked, the legs are very important, obviously, in this episode um, and yeah. throughout. And I want to just make the. I don't, I don't think it's that far a jump, basically, my, my, the way I see Locke's legs. Um, and this kind of is a continuation from Deus Ex Machina, because in Deus Ex Machina, we see he's losing his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, the closer he gets to that plane, obviously, it might be so, the, the island trying to tell him something like, don't do that. Um, in this episode, we see Locke starts... He's moving his legs, but he's going nowhere on a stationary bicycle. Mm. I just made that connection. He's moving his legs, but he's going nowhere. And sort of That's like this, cool. he, he can walk, but the hatch is a dead end. So he's just going nowhere. I think that's symbol symbolic here. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And as we go through, you know, his legs then... He's trying to do things with his legs. He's getting up. He's moving around. And then the hatch swallows his legs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I, I equate his legs sort of to, on the island, to Helen in the, mm. the flashback. Helen was sort of his means to be 
proactive. His mm-hmm. legs are his means, the island's gift to him that allowed him to do that again. And now, you know, the the hatch or his father are kind of taking that away from him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love the. I love like seeing him on the bike as symbolic of, of kind of Mm -hmm. where he's at in the episode. It's also interesting, you know, uh, the thing I hadn't even thought about the fact that he was on the bike, you know, the stationary bike. But, um, the thing I was thinking about with this scene is how he's like just blasting the music, you know, um, which, you know, I think there's an aspect of it where it's just like, he's just trying to think, um, there's also an aspect of it where he's trying to drown out anything that Henry is trying to say to him, <laughs> you true, know? True, true, Um, And so like, there's kind of these defense mechanisms going up of, you know, as he's kind of stuck in place, he's pedaling and he's going nowhere. He's trying to drown out anything else that he doesn't want to deal with too. Um, and so it just, where we see him at in this moment is just a really interesting representation of his character at this point in the series too, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially as he's in the hatch, which is itself kind of symbolic of him, um, you know, in season two, like he's, he's going through a crisis. He's, he's underground, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you're saying, he's, I, that's a good point of him with the music trying to drown out Henry because there's a very clear connection to Henry's words and being locked down because it's when Henry says, um, maybe you should go get Jack, that the door's just complete. And he says, shut up! Yeah. And they completely come down just right, right at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's Hen- Henry is sort of like the it, it, Locke is doubt is doubt having doubts about you know all his beliefs, and Henry's like the little voice of Satan in his ear, sort of just saying, you know, making him question it further, and just like it, he's just trapped, yeah, in, in a between a rock and a hard place, um, with all mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah but uh, man ben is just so good at being just the most annoying person in the world i feel like you know just like like tearing someone down you know slowly but surely the whole you know why do you let him talk to you like that and then you know maybe you should go get jack you know like everything he says is just perfect for getting under Locke's skin he knows how to do it now and he's just gonna keep doing it Hmm. Yeah, and you think about why? Why is he even doing it mm-hmm. in the first place? Like, again, he's a master. He's a manipulator, just mm-hmm. like you know a lot of the characters. But I almost think this is sort of just just him. He's bored <laughs> almost at times. Yeah. This, I mean, like he, like he, he told that story to them, sort of. You know, it's just, he's like, I'm these people, especially Locke, this believer, Mm -hmm. this, it's just, it's just like, uh, come on, you, you're not, you don't get what's get, you're not living in the real world, basically. And so he's sort of just like, 
amusing himself. Yeah, seems like. So, yeah, we get the blast doors coming down, and then Locke sort of contemplating what to do. And this is where we come to what I see is the biggest plot hole, the plot hole in the episode. Mm. Because I realized this, and maybe it's not a huge one. I, the more I'm thinking about, it, maybe it's not. But so John is looking, or it we it, and this last time I watched it, I realized it literally has a moment where it, it cuts back to him, and he's looking at a vent, mm. and then he goes, you know, looking at the blast. He's looking around. I'm like, and then you know they do the whole thing where they pry up the blast doors and ooh and everything, mm-hmm. and then he says. Oh Henry, you can go up into the into the vent in the pantry. And I'm like, why didn't Locke go into the vent in the pantry? Yeah. Like in the first place instead of trying this. Yeah. And I'm like, that seems like a gigantic plot hole. <laughs> That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess it could be that he didn't he didn't think it was likely to mm-hmm. lead through to the right place, and so this is his last ditch effort. But mm-hmm. yeah, why did why did he not? Just maybe he do didn't want to go. Maybe he didn't want to do the events because you're in a vent, and maybe you get stuck up there, and then then you're really screwed. Perhaps could be, could be. But. That's a really that's a really good point. <laughs> well, and and maybe this is just, you know, I mean like it is just a moment of maybe he wanted to muscle forward and thought like the right, you know, the the thing that makes the most sense is to try and force this door open. Yeah. Instead of doing the smart thing. You know, it's almost kind of a weird parallel to like off the island where um what he should have done is he should have told Helen you know, but instead he tried to figure out his own, just like force his own way through the situation sure. you know, and hope mm-hmm. it would work out. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's, he's just trying to force his way forward and not actually like think through the actual options that are probably wiser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is a really big plot hole though. <laughs> well, and you could just say that he didn't think of it until yeah. he was under the door and then he started panicking and he's like, okay, we really need to figure something out now. Yeah. But there's that. And then there's, okay, if you're going to go under the door, why not go under where there's no, uh, no pegs oh. there, John. This is, this is one of my least favorite moments of the entire yes. scene. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I'm, if you squeamish, you're just like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> I admit when I was rewatching this for, for the episode, you know, and uh, I only had a chance to watch this one time through before talking about it today. But um, when I was watching it, I got to the moment right before, you know, when they got the toolbox underneath the door and I knew he was about to try and go under it. And I paused the episode and walked away from it for a while <laughs> because I was like, I'm not ready for this scene. Yeah. 
just I think when you when you know it's kind of, I mean I've watched this one enough where I'm like I'll just okay okay the door's on is like now okay let's just move on okay yeah uh, let's get through this as quickly as possible ah oh, boy and uh yeah it's horrible horrible boy but um before that I guess we glossed over this when Locke finally um, first he's, you know, he's, he's trying to keep Henry out and then eventually he realizes, you know, he needs help, mm. lets him in on the situation. Um, the devil becomes his ally, basically what you see is here. And it's just like, it's such a clear, if, if there's anything more clear that the hatch is bad news, just the fact that it forced you to become allies with this guy for a yeah. time is about as clear as it can be um but the moment when he you know locks like okay i need you uh, henry's like i i need you to give me your word you know protect me and then Locke says okay who are you basically and henry then lies to his face um and Locke says okay it's fine but I, I just see that as once again Locke easily fooled when he just when he just wants connection basically just like his father yeah. was so easy easy to convince him once again here he falls mm -hmm. prey to the con man um so it's another example of that yeah he doesn't have a good lie detector like some of the other characters on this show like you know uh saeed or mr echo or sawyer you know i feel like they're or Anna Lucia, you know, they're all people who can kind of read people. And I feel like Locke is not, not quite as good as they are. Nope. Nope. Because he's sort of blinded by, it, it's meant to be, you know, something yeah. or just like, yeah, he can't see what's in front of him because he's looking down the road basically with Locke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Locke gets trapped under there and realizes that, oh, crap, we got to press the button. That's why he was trying to get that out in the first place, really. Um, and uh, just, I, I, I like to pause and just think about when Ben hearing this story. And just yeah. like, and you think about how when we go down to the future, it, it, how much does Linus actually know about the swan? Yeah. Like, because it was he was a kid when they were building it and everything and mm -hmm. and sort of like does he does he know that it's actually there's something to this as opposed to um not and we're gonna have to see but i feel like if i remember correctly he starts to egg lock on like there's no point to it right I yeah feel like he, he does. does he does that's right he does yeah he he later if I remember right, he tells him, like, I never pressed the button, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's just like what? Yeah, it, it's so interesting to watch these episodes again and think of, like, what is Ben thinking this whole time? Um, I feel like he has to know that there are extreme consequences if if they don't press the button, mm -hmm. um, you know, that like there's electromagnetic you know stuff that will <laughs> like go off yeah. if they don't do it but i you know i i would think he doesn't know a ton more than that you know 
So, because mm-hmm. you wonder, like, I mean, he know it. He says later, he's like, even in this episode, he says nothing happened. I just pressed the button and the numbers flicked back, sort of like putting that. It's he's speaking like Jack, basically. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's nothing. I just press the button. Um, he's <laughs> almost screwing himself by starting this this him lock down this path because when the sky turns purple, things go bad for the others. And it's like, yeah. So you think about that. It's like, but he can't, I don't think he can help himself. He's like, I just got to tweak lock more and more and just get him more and more confused and lost. Cause you know, that's what I do. I'm the lock is susceptible and I'm the manipulator. Yep. Um, but yeah, so when you think about it that way, it's not so bad when he goes up and tries to get in the vent and then falls over and gets knocks his head and you're like, well, don't feel so bad for him there. Yeah. <laughs> falls down. Um, but yeah. Locke just being kind of trapped there between a rock and a hard place. Um, yeah, there's really not much to talk about as far as Locke being there until Ben getting back up and getting back in into the into the vents and going mm-hmm. we do need oh, to talk I, a, yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say before we before we move past that scene i just have to point out um <laughs> when so my wife julie watched lost not that long ago um uh to be able to you know understand this series that means a lot to me and us and everything and yeah uh but one thing she pointed out that I always have to point out when it happens now is um, a trope that Lost does a lot, which is really funny when you look for it, is characters, everyone on this series is way too good at memorizing numbers really <laughs> quickly. Because right. Locke is like, all right, so there's a button and you got to press 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, really, you know, and you got to do it and otherwise everything bad's going to happen. Do you remember the numbers? 4, 8, 15, 16. It's like, how would anyone, <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe Ben knew the numbers from mm-hmm. as being another or whatever, but like, even so, he should have been like, oh, yeah, could you say them again or something? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, one of those funny tropes that it doesn't make the series any worse. It's just funny when you notice how often they do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is hilarious. It's just... No one's that good at memorizing numbers. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's that that trope and then people being like, do you know how to use a gun? And then a person like unloading and reloading a gun really fast. Yeah. Um, those are my two favorite recurring tropes on the series, I think. <laughs> <laughs> those are great. Yeah. yeah. That And, and uh, the other thing, I, for, I almost glossed over this in my notes, and I do want to mention this too. Um, we do uh, when Henry goes into climb on those those uh, uh, shelves to get up to the um, get up to the vent. Mm-hmm. I like the the just the little subtle thing they do here. They point out kind of they remind us they're running out of food. Look how empty oh, this pantry yeah. is. It's like you yeah. remember how full this thing was when Harley came in here? Yeah, they've they've completely because there's so many of them and they've just there's not basically nothing left in there, which 
plays into the end of the episode. Um, I just like how they subtly slide that in there. Like, hey, look at this pantry. Pretty empty. Um, maybe they should get more food. I love uh, that. I yeah. love when I love when there's like set design stuff that makes sense in a story. Like that's so cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a little sub, a uh, little subtle subplot there. Um, but yeah, so Henry goes up. The alarm gets worse and worse, and then let's pause the screen and look. And let's, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a map! Holy crap, what's that say? <laughs> oh, let's let's dissect this thing. I uh, yeah, this is the episode more than any other. I remember it's so fun to think back to times like this, but I remember watching this live and being like, Oh boy, I can't wait to get the DVD and pause this sucker. Oh, you know, and yeah. look at that. Oh <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, there's a big question mark in the middle and then there's a bunch of other stuff. And then there's a, Oh, I love it. I love this moment because yeah. You know, you could look at it as, oh, okay, they're just dropping an Easter egg here. And not a ton of this comes. I mean, obviously, it's it's showing that there's other hatches on the island and everything and the whole scope of things. Mm-hmm. But the thing I love about it more in the context of this story and what's going mm-hmm. on with Locke right now is you realize what. And, I, you know, you could say, okay, this just happened because there was the pallet drop at the end. That's why. But the truth of it is, uh, the, the the more metaphysical part of it, you like to think of it as, this is the monster or the malevolent force on the island, sort of like, I'm going to clamp down on you, John, and I'm going to feed you this nonsense that you, so you're continuing to think, oh, maybe there is something to this hatch. It's like, mm. John, hey, look at this. This means something. This is important. And now you're you're suckered in even more here, John, because that's why uh, that's the way I see it. It's like it's almost like his father coming back to him and saying, um, "Oh, here's a key." Almost like, "Oh, this means if you unlock the safe deposit box, you're going to unlock my heart," or something like that. If you look yeah. at this map, you're going to unlock the secrets of the island, and it's just a map that Inman drew, Menridzinski, way back when. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. I love. I love it for the like the whole excitement of you know, like we're gonna piece together what this means. You know, mm-hmm. like as, as fans of the show as it's airing and stuff like yeah. that. It's so fun, and I feel like that made it feel like. Um, I feel you know we were talking before we started recording. Like we think of season two big episodes and this is one of them you know because mm-hmm. of this moment and you know i mean it's a lock episode too and it's interesting you know stuff happening in the hatch but like it's in the grand scheme of the show it really doesn't bear a whole lot of significance you know like that that actual moment doesn't unlock all these mysteries and stuff mm-hmm. um but when you look at it also for that double meaning like you were saying of you know, it's kind of a parallel to um, everything else that has happened in Locke's life where he gets drawn back into something that's not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's searching for meaning in these things that are not um, actually 
going to bring any flourishing into his life you know um it's just him being drawn back in and it's kind of cool because they they do that the makers of the show do that by kind of pulling us in too you know as the viewer we're like wait what is this we gotta we, we gotta get that dvd we gotta pause this thing we gotta figure out what's going on and we're right there with Locke, and so we get sucked into that thing you know that um that Locke is falling victim to as well um which again it's just just great storytelling and it's just fun to see it unfold you know mm-hmm. um even though it is is kind of a tragic thing here for him um because he's getting pulled into the island again um but but yeah just just a great story mm-hmm. it's a big moment it's the it's telling that it's the moment i remember from this episode you know oh, it's like yeah. when i think lockdown you think oh yeah it's when he sees the map but you miss the whole you know the whole point of the story is not mm-hmm. the, the whole point of the story is not the map the whole point of the story is that you know, this is a man who's completely lost and broken. Yeah. And now he's looking at this map and just kind of, as we see later, he's trying to like bring, make it meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sad. And then, you know, as the doors come back up and we see him like crawling around saying, just hoping that Henry didn't leave him alone. Like, he just needs someone to be there. Even if it's Henry Gale, who's not really from Minnesota. Um, and then the, the, yeah, the kind of the, and I like how they, they do play the music beneath it. Like it's, this is a hopeful moment when he says, thank you, Henry, for not leaving me. And then Henry goes, you're welcome, John. Sort of like we're friends now. <laughs> so, ring it's so hollow when you look at it now and you're like okay i see what they were doing there it's sort of like Locke's resolution in this episode is not really a resolution it's Mm -hmm. he's still in lockdown even though the doors are up yeah there he he gets pulled into another toxic relationship in a way (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. um he gets deceived again yet again Mm mm-hmm yeah. So Locke's in lockdown still. Um, and I think I think we need to leave him here because I don't want to talk anymore about being trapped. <laughs> I want to talk, if you don't mind, I want to shift, but we can do this after a break, but I want to shift to a guy who's actually kind of breaking through in this episode. Dr. Jack. Um, but why don't we do that after this break? So we'll be right back with more See You in Another Life, brothers, after this. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. Um, so, bro, like I said before the break, I think we're done with Locke for now. Let's talk some Jack. And let's talk a not, 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 not burnt out Jack. <gasps> what? He, wait, hold on a second. Let me let me do the math here. Okay, so Saeed plus Anna plus Charlie plus going off on their own into a potential trap 
plus not knowing about it until possibly too late equals burnt out. Shouldn't it be burnt out, Jack? Should we think so? Because he starts going that way. He starts like, draw it again, draw it again. And then like, he's ready to go full hunting party, full, um, all the best cowboys, Jack and running off after him. But when Locke says they're probably way, it's, it's way too late now, Jack. It's an interesting turn for this character. It, you know, at one level, like, I don't, I don't want to like, yeah, like they're, they're on the other side of the Island. It's fine. You know, and, um, like who, who knows, you know, but, um, can you imagine if, if what Ben had said he would do was actually the case, you know, where like, like they, he was leading them into a trap and stuff and the others had kidnapped them and stuff. And Jack is just playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, um, but that's not the direction it went, so it's fine. But um, it is just kind of funny to think of like, yeah, you would think he would normally go totally burnt out and r- run off into the jungle after him, but but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's a different need here uh, at the camp. So, well, I think he, yeah, he he realizes that it's it's out of reach at this point. Even if he were to draw it again. And depending on if they actually got a truthful map out of them. Um, So Jack, how Jack responds is go back to the beach. He does start interrogating Hurley about it. You know, Mm -hmm. Hurley brings out the whole loop thing. Like, hey, you guys don't tell us much. That's kind of true. I mean... Big time secrets going on around here. Poor Hurley. No one talks to him. Um, but when he has Claire come to him and then Libby come to him, you know, asking for, you know, him to be the doctor, I think it sort of snaps him into what yeah. can I do that's right in front of me? Almost like, which is a healthier perspective to have than how can I, you know, save the world that's a million miles away when there's people right in front of me that need something. Um, It's almost like you see the transformation where he's talking to Claire and Claire says, you seem distracted. And he's like, no, I'm fine. And he is still, he's like, his mind is still over there. Mm -hmm. But then Libby brings up the point that you have to do 10 loads of laundry to get to or whatever to get the yeah. <laughs> 10 loads of laundry that's i mean it's <laughs> gonna be like three months right <laughs> i was about to say how many clothes is he wearing <laughs> you know? he just wears like yeah doesn't Sarge just have like two shirts and a... <laughs> I mean... one guy needs to <laughs> wait a minute what's actually going on there <laughs> that's kind of a throwaway line but when you think about it it's like... That makes no sense. Yeah. That's actually a really, really funny line when you think about it. Like, wait, <laughs> what? How is that possible? Sorry, is <laughs> just like, Sorry just has a bunch of, I like that he's been hoarding clothes. He's just been hoarding a bunch of clothes 
and he doesn't wear them, but he's like, now go wash these, and then I'm going to give you the stuff you want. Or he's or he's hoarding clothes, and he's wearing like 10 shirts every day. Like, he just changes every hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> what a psycho. But I like how Jack sort of looks at the situation. He sees, you know, Sawyer over there playing cards, and he goes, hmm. All right. This is something I can fix, basically, because that's Jack's thing. Yeah. But I like how he, he looks at the injustice that's happening here and he says, All right, we don't have to keep playing his game, basically, this manipulator's game. He's doing what Locke could have done in the flashback where he's he could have, you know, turned it on its head and surprised his father. So what he does is he cons Sawyer into mm-hmm. playing cards with him. It's so... I love it because it's they don't yeah. outright spell it out, but basically he comes up there and just says, oh yeah, Hurley, you don't have a very good hand. And, oh, and he just kind of mentions it to him and just says, like, oh, I gotta, but I gotta get going. I'm, I, I don't have time to play cards like typical Jack stuff. I gotta go back to the hatch because, you know, I'm sure there's nothing wrong there. But anyway... <laughs> But yeah, he makes it, Sawyer think it's his idea to to claw Jack into the game. Basically, he he baits him into it. Which I love that here, sort mm-hmm. of conning the con man. Yeah, yeah, and and Sawyer, you know, probably like Jack can see that Sawyer's probably feeling pretty good about himself here because Hurley's doing so bad. Yeah, and Kate is just playing for the fun of it you know so so it doesn't really matter how she's doing but sawyer is probably going to be a little bit cocky and will you know want him to stay and play and yeah i this is i love moments like this with jack where he's where he's just doing it right you know Mm -hmm. where he's he's just like he's able to play sawyer you know and it's great it's just a really really great (laughs) storyline and like this goes back to you know uh, again thinking back to when we started the podcast there are so there are so few shows anymore you know and this is partially because no shows have such long seasons anymore mm-hmm. um but like shows just taking time to have just a solid B story in an episode that is just fun yeah just a good fun story um, you know, it doesn't advance like a major plot point or anything. Jack gets the medicine back. Like that's the point of it, you know. Uh, and he beats Sawyer. But like it's just a fun like TV can just be fun sometimes, you know, and I love that. Uh this is just a great, great storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. And I love I love I, that you you could read you can just look at it as oh, this was a great fun plot line but it also does connect like they always do these b stories mm-hmm. it does connect to the a story because once again we have a con man who's having his way um like anthony mm-hmm. and jack instead of basically just letting him letting him rule sort of says i'm going to beat him at his own game for good and uh it shows you why Locke needs Jack 
it's 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 like that the why one needs the other Locke knows there's a purpose but he he's so drawn to something that he can't he's 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 easily manipulated but jack jack doesn't quite understand what that purpose is but he is not easy he he can fix things he can he's he can overcome the manipulator Mm. um and if you combine the two of them together you overcome the manipulator to achieve something that is far greater so it's i love that we see that here um Mm -hmm. but uh and it's just fun i mean (laughs) so much about this that is there you know playing along um I love that line. It's a pile of fruit, man. It's just oh, a pile yeah. of fruit. And I want it back. Just <laughs> the, the just the simple like that's what that's the type of guy Sawyer is. And it's connection to Anthony, these these manipulators, the predominant thing about them is that they're so materialistic that it doesn't matter the material. That's why Sawyer's a the hoarder, because mm-hmm. stuff is what makes a man, basically, is what, you know. Mm-hmm. how he's thinking of it yeah yeah, yeah. His, his stuff and his pride mm-hmm. are the things that lead him down this road in this episode he 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 wants the pile of fruit back and it's like it's just fruit like you just go pick some more you know and um but yeah it's his pride won't let him uh and especially with jack you know it could be could be any other person on the island and it would maybe matter maybe it would still matter to him but especially with jack i feel like you know he's gotta he can't just let him come in and and beat him you know mm-hmm. yeah and then the line fun time's over mongo why don't you hit the buffet is one of my favorites my favorite story <laughs> lines just it's such a perfect <laughs> oh man yep and so when the stakes get higher, um, the fact that Jack goes for the medicine, mm-hmm. um, why did you go for the guns and not the medicine? Why did you go for the medicine and not the guns? I think the simple answer is just that Jack wants to fix things. He wants to have that agency and that's, there it is. He, he needs that. Um, so, and it's out, it's obviously altruistic because he wants to help people, but it's kind of for himself too. It's almost like the, his medicine is to have medicine to give people. Um, yeah. Cause he's a doctor. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and he needs to be able to fix whatever issues come up, you know, like if someone has a, has a health issue, he, he's got to fix it, you know? So if he doesn't have the tools to do it, you know, but he can't be out of control. Yeah. Um, the little thing they drop in there about uh, Jack learning poker and uh, Phuket. <laughs> hey, I wonder if we're going to get an episode that's kind of about that and uh, is not one of the greatest. It's it. If we could have an episode about Jack and oh, if we could learn, you know, where he what his tattoos mean, it would be the best episode. It would be the best episode ever. I just know it. I want to see the, the the actual pitch for that. Like the writer, like guys, I have got it. This is going to be the greatest episode of all time. <laughs> Everyone's going to love this episode. 
<laughs> but we'll get there. Um, and then Sawyer trying to get away with dealing from the bottom of the deck and Jack just seeing right through it. Um, once again, the, the keen power of observation and the fact that he is able to just see in the present as opposed to someone who might be blinded by um, trying to figure out what the purpose is or anything like that. Jack is just, he's there. Mm-hmm. And he's not burnt out. That's key too. Mm-hmm. And Sawyer's trying to, you know, kind of mislead him or, uh, you know, keep the conversation going and stuff as he's dealing the cards and everything. And Jack just sees right through it. Whereas, yeah, it like just makes the contrast that much greater when we see Locke just not able to see the, the misdirection happening in front of him as he's getting misled in, in the past and in the present. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then the climax of this where Jack gets Sawyer to call him basically call his bluff. Um, I, I really like how he just um, basically logics him in, or just like <laughs> he tell it. Uh, Jack's like, you're not going to lay him down because you're, you don't want to lose. And Sawyer's like, you kind of, you kind of got me there. Checkmate, basically. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'll call you. Um, and uh, yeah, just a smooth move there. Um, kind of just cut into the chase and like, okay, I think I probably beat you. And I did. Um, mm-hmm. It's a nice moment. Yeah. I don't know how to play poker, but I feel like that was a great move. I know. Yeah. Whenever there's a, whenever I'm watching anything where poker, you know, is a is a major part of a plot line. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna be watching everyone's reactions to this. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love, I love how Jack is just so confident and cool throughout this whole thing, where he's just like, he just it's a cakewalk for him basically, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. And then he walks away and he says, "When I need the guns, I'll get the guns." And then he just puts on shades and. <laughs> cigarette and walks away and then then sawyer's tent explodes behind him (laughs) and suddenly he's in slow motion and everyone's like wait what you know because cool guys don't look at explosions they just walk away but yeah that's just like that's that's one of jack's finest moments in the whole show i think just right there i want the guns i'll get the guns and so then we get a little epilogue on this afterwards with Kate coming after Jack as they go through the jungle to come back to the hatch. And uh, I don't I don't know if I've ever caught this before, but I caught it this time when Kate says, hey, I wanted to take a shower. And Jack says, oh, the plumbing's broke. Oh, yeah. He's lying about that. I just mm-hmm. realized that. Just And you think about, just you know, they don't spell it out, basically, but how subtle they are with this about, Basically, it's just been Jack and Locke living down there. Yeah. That's it. And they've been sort of like lying to everyone every which way about why they can't come down there. Um, it's just mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. How... Yeah. <laughs> and then you think about Kate's perspective here when, you know, she's like, okay, oh, that's fine. And I'll just go back. And then 
they Saeed and all them come back and then Jack basically has to like oh yeah hey Kate we've had a guy down there the whole time by yeah. the way just like <laughs> ripping that band-aid off <laughs> they don't they never acknowledge that I don't think but just no. like imagine being Kate there like okay so yeah Jack every I've trusted Jack this whole time and then Jack's just been lying to me okay yeah they don't really ever acknowledge the repercussions of that, but it's just nuts. I know, like when 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 Jack pins Ben against the wall and they show like everyone else in the room looking, that was what I was thinking about this time because Kate is just like there with them, and it's like yeah. this is all new to her. Yeah. Every part of this, there's a stranger in the hatch who she's never seen before, and apparently he's one of the others, and it's just like what. Okay, um. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna take a shower now because clearly that works. <laughs> you guys let Charlie know before you let me know about this. Come on, come on. But uh, yeah, and then the the reveal that uh, oh hey, um, so apparently the Dharma Initiative just flew over and dropped some food. Yeah. All right. Okay, <laughs> and, and that's what the uh, the whole lockdown was about. Yeah, uh, so I I had I knew that at some point, but I forgot. And then when mm-hmm. you you kind of referenced it earlier when we were talking about the episode just now, like that, like oh, the lockdown is because of the the drop off overhead and everything, so that the people inside wouldn't see or whatever. Or I yeah. I don't know, like they. I don't know the the whole purpose of that, but um, it's just like, oh yeah, they're. I like how they subtly had, you know, the reason for it within the episode itself. You know, yeah. the drop off or whatever, um, payload, um, is why they did the lockdown, and yeah, it's just because initially when I was rewatching it for this, I was like, do they ever explain this? I do not remember this, but. It's cool mm-hmm. that it's there in the episode. Well, I like how Locke asks Henry, like, you think it was all just random? And then we we yeah. have kind of, this is, you know, it's it's not explicitly said, but there is just a very logical, simple reason for it. Like, mm-hmm. that's how they do these pallet drops, apparently. They just lock down the hatch, then they drop the thing, and then they pull up the doors when it's over. Um, but... Locke doesn't know that. Yeah. And so Locke is left to wonder, okay, was this the island telling me about the map? Or was it random? And once again, this is just the doubt fueling his just frustration down in that hatch. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, this discovery of this food. Well, that's cool. I hope it doesn't cause any problems for any characters. <laughs> We'll find out next week, I bet. Yeah. Poor Hurley. Um, but the last thing I think, obviously, this this ending is just nuts. I love it so much. <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about how Jack is... The, Jack seems like the coolest character in this episode. Like, just... No. Saeed is the coolest character... This is his greatest moment 
in the entire series right here is so cool <laughs> it just gives you chills man because it's almost like his he gets to be like freaking sherlock holmes here just walking in like well henry gale <laughs> we did find the balloon and we did find the grave but i didn't stop there <laughs> just the fact that he dug up that grave is just uh, the most, pardon my language, badass thing <laughs> I think I've ever seen on this whole show. <laughs> it's just, he didn't have to go that hard, and he did. <laughs> he did. Because, and it just, it's like the perfect sort of, like, conclusion, epilogue to um, one of them, hmm. where, you know, Saeed is just so convinced that he is one of them. And he's like, I just knew it from the look in his eyes that this was, you know, this is a person that can take tragedy and and be so callous toward it. Yeah. Um, and he and and the reveal that it is because they took an actual dead man named Henry Gale and used them for their purposes. Yeah. Used him for their purposes. It's like, did they kill Henry Gale? Maybe, maybe he just died after at the, at the balloon crash, but you just like, okay, he, he is one of them in the sense that he is literally one of the others, but he's also one of them because there's just something cold about the fact that there was an actual man named Henry Gale from Minnesota. I, yeah, this is one of the just all time great twist moments of the series, the, you know, just the, you know, and yet I still did not believe you, you know, mm -hmm. I dug up that grave, like, and it, it's so perfect, because in one of them, you know, Saeed, like, I just love how poignant that moment was when he says, you know, like, you would remember, yes, digging that grave, you would remember every, you know, shovel full, every, you know, bit of dirt and all that. Um, And he just, he knew that he was lying from mm -hmm. that moment but the grave was the significant one mm -hmm. of the really like significant parts of knowing that that guy was lying and so to find the grave you could just imagine saeed being there like no this doesn't add up yeah. we're we're digging it up you know mm -hmm. um and yeah it's just oh gosh it's and it's perfect for this episode where from the beginning we're like oh so this guy was telling the truth and so you know you we're seeing everything he does in this episode in that light of him trying to like earn favor with Locke because mm -hmm. he doesn't want them to take out their anger on his poor innocent self but now we see it for what it is you know that he's he's trying to preserve his life or something you know because he is one of them yeah. um it's brilliant it's just such good such a good reveal <laughs> I like it from Locke's perspective when, you know, once again, yeah. it, it should be a lesson to Locke. If, you know, we could say that he is in lockdown here and he is still lost, but really right here, it's like the guy you are about to put your trust in. Hey, that guy's a con man. And basically you're about to enter that cycle again, Locke. Yeah. But the fact that Jack comes in at that moment, sort of like, and says, get away from him almost it's sort of like a subtle message in the series like you know you got to live together or else you're going to be you know drawn in by 
these malevolent forces. And so they save Locke from falling more and more prey to uh, Ben there. Um, and uh, it's just a, yeah, a crazy moment. Um, and the, the end, the end shot on, once again, the brilliant, how they shoot and just how Michael Emerson performs, just the look on his face and just the look through them. And you just yeah. see sudden, suddenly, okay, now he's fully Ben Linus. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is the bad guy. Uh, it's a great moment. Uh, he's yeah. The fact that they could have, it's a testament to the writing, but especially the performance that they could have what, like three or four episodes where we're introduced to this character and you could easily believe, you know, one way or the other, you know, that he was either innocent or one of the others. Um, and that's incredible. Like that, yeah. that whole part of this story, that's just incredible. It is a great episode. Um, it's not one that really, uh, I mean, I, I personally, it didn't get me emotionally necessarily. Um, like mm-hmm. I think the best of the best in this season, but I mean, it's up there. This one, obviously for obvious reasons, just big moments and craziness. Yeah. And I mean, every lock episode is, is something to behold, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Lockdown. Something special. Crazy stuff. Oh man. Yeah. It's just, it's a great episode. Lots of big moments. And yeah, it, I'm, it just makes me more excited for stuff to come too. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see the fulfillment of, or at least, you know, kind of the culmination of like, what was that map about, you know, Mm -hmm. and see in later episodes that unfold and especially the finale seeing Inman with it and everything. And yeah, yeah, it's, that'll be fun. It's another great episode. Well, uh, that does it for lockdown. Next time, as we mentioned subtly, that uh, Hurley, um, we're going to get a Hurley episode, and we're going to meet a good friend of his, a little guy named Dave. Oh, Dave, this is going to be a good one. Uh, oh, Dave is I'm a unique excited. episode. Yeah. yeah. So that, should be, that should be fun. Yep. So you'll have to tune in next time for that one. But for this time, thanks so much for talking Lost with me, bro. Always a good time. Yeah, thank you. And thank you as always for listening. And until next time, we will see you in another life, brothers.